She needs to have her fucking headphones turn all the time. She needs the snare in the headphones. If she can't hear herself, she's not sure other people can hear her. And that's the most important part. Listen, listen, listen. Everything I have to say is important. Not possible. to Desert Island Society. Sorry about the week we took off. Um, there's a great reason for that, and it will become apparent in a second, because we have my very good friend Zasha in the studio with us today. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Yay! They, this is my birthday present from the two of you, was to have my best friend come out and see me for my birthday, which is super cool and very excellent, but we decided that because we have a, a friend in, this, uh, in town with us, I didn't want to spend six hours editing the fucking episode while my friend was here, like, we should hang out and be together rather than having him sit on the couch, you know, here when we, we've been apart for so long. So, really stoked to have him. I am, of course, Xander. With me is Madeline. Hi. Uh, as always, and then Zasha is here. Yeah. And Zasha is here. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the best or favorite concert experiences we've had. Because we are all very musically inclined people, and we've all seen a lot of shows, some of them bad, some of them awesome. Well, and we've all seen a lot of shows together, which mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that on the plane right here where I was making the list, and I was like, man, Xander and I have been to like every show that we have been to s- until you <laughs> moved. <laughs> all the really great memories, a lot of them are going to be with, with one or the other of you, which is really cool. So, rules. We're going to do the rules, and normally this is where I try to preempt something that I know that you have on your list with a with a rule and then blame you for not following the rules. But I think this one's pretty open. I think you we're talking about like favorite concert memories and that doesn't necessarily have to be impactful. It can just be a great show or it can be something that like the show was sort of C plus but like the memory is really good. And I yeah. feel like it's really open to interpretation and open to what matters to you. So I do want everybody, you know, tweet at us, hit us up on our Facebook page, tell us something that you think is a great show that you went to and why was it important who did you go with you know what was important about it what made it memorable to you and now we're going to see if you are going to be decent enough to let our friend our guest go first or if you will still insist on going first, no, that's, go first. See, and that's how you phrase it so that you get what you want i would i mean you like can, a jerk you can go first if you want i don't no, want to break the you should go first you always go first though yeah but zasha should go first no, I insist that you go first. Only, oh, only because I don't want to break the the theme. Fine, I will go first if you. I insist. knew it, and I'm gonna edit this to look like you insisted on going oh first. Oh my gosh, <laughs> why are you like this? <laughs> All right, okay. here's this was the first one. So the first one is something that was maybe not something I would go to, but it's more about the experience. And the show itself was good, but the experience was better. So it was when I saw Ghostface Killa in Times Square. <laughs> a while back, I used to work for a radio station, KCOU, and I was their business manager, and part of one of the things that I got to do was we got to go to the College Music Journalism Conference, CMJ. I think yeah. that's what it's called. It's CMJ. Yeah, and I went with my good friends Aaron and Taylor, and 
I, Taylor. Yeah, I love Taylor. Uh, he is really into like rap and R&B and stuff. And I was not, definitely not at that time, probably a little bit more so now, but I had no idea who Ghostface was, but he was like, there's this really cool show, it's secret, we, we can only get in with our badges and we have to wait in this line. So we went at midnight, <laughs> the show was supposed to start at midnight, we went there to wait in line at 11am, or like 11pm. Oh, I was like, 11am, fuck, <laughs> yeah. Ghostface, <laughs> but... also worst and secret ever. we were like... <laughs> the last people with badges that were able to get in so it was like super lucky and we got in and because i was a girl for some reason they took both of us up to the front of the stage so we got to be like at the front of where ghostface was performing and he did not come on until four o'clock in the morning (laughs) so we spent like four hours just like waiting for him to perform and he had an opener, and I really wish I could remember who it was, because I think it's someone who is, like, relatively important now. What year it was, was like, this? a surprise. It was in 2010, I think. All right. Uh, I'm going to call the research fairy on this to see if we can okay. figure it out. Hi, it's the research fairy. We looked into it, and it turned out that Ghostface was joined by Raekwon, Brand Nubian, Sheik Louch, and Styles P. Apparently, it was quite the show for hip-hop purists. Thanks, Research Fairy. That's exactly who I was talking about. Uh, the Research Fairy buttons are broken, but I'll fix them. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up, you know, waiting there talking to people. Everyone was getting super high in the show so much that I think I also was high at some point. My contacts got so dry because there was just literally the air was just made of weed. And then when Ghostface came out, he was really awesome. And when we came out of the show, we came out into Times Square, which is where the venue was, and it was like sunrise, and it was just like such a magical New York experience that my friend Taylor and I got to have together, and it was so so fun. Which is, that's cool. And New York is such a terrible fucking place that I'm <laughs> glad you got to have a good moment in it. Although um, spy- playing Spider-Man makes me feel like New York's better than I remember it. I, I actually... I guess this is an honorable mention. It's not one of my my main list, but I do want to shout out. I did see Rammstein in New York in 2009, uh, and they did like the one U.S. show, and we went out to see them at Madison Square Garden. It was another one of those like great New York moments where we, you know, the sun was setting, and we were in this like you know great line to go in and see this amazing band. And when we came out, the streets were completely empty, and it was like kind of what you're talking about, where it was a really pure moment. But that was the last time I was in New York, and uh, I'd like to keep it that way. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any New York memories. That's good. I, I've never been there, and I was going to go for there was, I don't know, there was something cool. Oh, it was that uh, Sleep No More haunted house that they do in yeah, yeah. New York, and I, I wanted to like try to get tickets. It was a two year waiting list or whatever, and then you went to Rammstein and you came back and you were like, man, that show was really good. Don't ever go to New York. <laughs> Dude, it was just. The thing is, I love L.A., and I know that it's sort of not cool to love L.A., but everybody here is super cool and very friendly, and, like, unless you're in a car, everybody's really nice. And if you're like, hey, there's a sushi place around here, and I don't know where it is, people will tell you five sushi places within walking distance of where you are. And in New York, every single person has one expression, and it is, fuck you. Like, don't talk to me. Do not look at me. I'll stab you in the throat if you, like, come in my personal space. Like... If you don't know how the fucking subway works, I hope you die right now. Like the whole thing, it, it's just a, it's a shithole, and I hate it. And yeah, and then you contrast it with LA, where like my very first LA experience was 
uh, I drove a band called Wormrot from Columbia, where I live, to Los Angeles. They had a couple shows and stuff, but they needed a driver, and I didn't have a job, so they let me do it. And we got here, and I got turned around, because I'd never been here before, and I lost, we were on Whittier Boulevard, at the boulevard, and I couldn't figure out where the fuck the venue was, and I was walking around, and like, everybody down there speaks Spanish, I don't speak any Spanish, it's a fault of my own, and so I was asking people, and they didn't really, it was hard to communicate, and then one guy just like, led me over there, and he was like the toughest motherfucking guy I've ever met in my life, and he was like, here you go man, sorry that you were lost for a while. Yeah. And, and that's like, well, thanks. And, and I feel like that's the experience we've all had mm-hmm. here is that, like, even people you would think, oh, no, you know, like, maybe I don't want to bother this guy. <laughs> He's got very important, scary dude things to do. Like, they're, everybody's super friendly out here. And I'm not trying to say that, like, everybody in New York sucks. Just everybody that I met in New York sucks. Like, <laughs> it's possible. Like, maybe they were having a cool convention in Jersey where all the cool people were. But uh, I didn't. I didn't meet them. You missed it that day, <laughs> right? Uh, incidentally, about CMJ. Fun fact: uh, CMJ was the first show ever for that band, or like the third show. I think it was the third show ever for that band. Sad. Twilight Sad. Sad, yeah. The Twilight Sad. That was like their third show. Like I've been in a band for ten and a half years, eleven years now. I fucking get a show in my own town sometimes, but the <laughs> third fucking show ever, CMJ, like. Here, meet some yeah, journalists. That's not fair. I literally had to fuck and marry the only journalist who, <laughs> who ever covered our our band, and yet other these Scottish fucking dickheads, who I think are great. I was like, their yeah, band like is so their music is, is really so fucking good. Yeah, it kills me. That's another live story. I guess we saw a big here with a bunch of old people. All right, you're up. Oh, I'm up. My first one. I'm probably we we had to discuss it beforehand. Yeah, we huddled ahead um, of time. But it was probably, like, my first really solid concert experience. And, like, I'll never, ever forget a particular moment that I'll get to. Uh, But we saw At The Gates at Pops Pops. in St. Louis, or outside St. Louis. And, you know, we didn't know what to expect because that band broke up, like, 13 years before this show. And uh, they everybody scattered to really bad bands. I don't know, Lockup is pretty cool. Lockup was pretty cool. Everybody else sucked. But, yeah, everybody else went to The Haunted, and that's just awful but agreed we we went we didn't know what to expect we knew what we wanted what we had hoped for and then i think that you would agree xander that like we got it 100 percent in spades there's there the moment that i'll never ever forget from it was they opened with the title track from their like seminal record the one that like started everything for so many bands uh which is slaughter the soul and the it opens up with one repetition of the riff and then a four count on the snare. And then there's a moment where there's no sound. It's like a full stop. And he, Thomas Lindbergh yells go. And then the song starts and it kicks in. And that moment between the four count of snares and him yelling go, it hung in the air like yeah. for like a year. It was forever. And we were looking around and everybody's looking around. We both just, yeah. the first thing, like, the only thing that you could do in that moment was to push the person next to you out of pure joy. I I'll, I'll, I will never forget it. Because it was like when you reach the top of a roller coaster right before it goes down the hill. And it was suspended, like you're saying, it hung in the air. And we made eye contact in that moment. And it was so beautiful. And as soon as they're, and he goes, go! And the song starts and everybody's just jumping and yet it, and it wasn't, you know, I've been in a lot of mosh pits in my life, and some of them are angry, and some of them are fun, and this was just pure joy. Like, everybody yeah. was like, they had been waiting 13 years, or from whenever point they heard that band first, we'd all been waiting for this. 
and we'd waited and you know that feeling i'm sure you can re- relate to this like when you're at a show and you've been waiting for the band to come on and they finally come on mm-hmm. well what if you've been waiting your whole life you know and i think for us that was really the first big show the first show that i picked to go to like that like i wanted to go to on my own without my dad without like you know and we went we bought we cut class to buy the tickets um, yes. This is back in the day. You had to buy the tickets in person. So we had to go to, to Streetside and buy the tickets. We cut school to go do it. And we bought a ticket for this kid who is... <laughs> I forgot about this. In our band at the time. <coughs> and we decided he left. He like never learned how to play the drums, really. So we kicked him out of the band. And we told him to say the show was 18 and over, even though it wasn't. And we took my girlfriend That's instead. mean. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure at that, your girlfriend was not 18. No, she wasn't. I, because we were like... I was like 18 yeah. and 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was like... I was still 17. But um, he was really pissed about it. I don't think we ever spoke again. No, and I... He lived down the street from my parents. And <laughs> I moved back in with my parents recently to like crash until I found an apartment. And they don't live there anymore. So I don't ever have to see them... Or him or his crazy mom ever again. And I do feel kind of bad because it may have been a really great moment for him. Yeah, fuck um, him. But, <laughs> well, because I don't remember her either. Like, I don't remember her being at the show. Like, I remember the traveling. Yeah. And I remember the hotel room and everything. Like, because we, we all, like, five people bundled into this fucking tiny-ass hotel room. But I don't remember her being at the show at all. I I remember her at, at first. And because that show also had two really great openers, amazing openers, and it was our like introduction to those bands. And then Darkest Hour also opened, (laughs) was also ran. Um, Yeah, Uh, they showed up, which was whatever. But like, it started with Toxic Holocaust, and that was right after uh, Overdose. Yeah, it was right when Overdose was released, and which was of the two like super amazing Toxic Holocaust records. That was number one of them. Uh, or the sequentially number one. Yeah. Um, yeah. D- very pointedly number two in, yeah. in ranking. Um, and then right after that was Municipal Waste. And we had like, and that was right when Art of Party yeah. came out. And then we spent your entire All first of, year of college listening to, to Municipal those, Waste. Yeah. So what was interesting to me about that is that, uh, <coughs> you know, when you see a, a big band, a band that's like Ghostface or At The Gates, like they are not out hanging out among the the people yeah, but not usually Joel Grind from Toxic Holocaust was out and in the audience before any of the band stuff cuz he played first yeah and I'll never forget our friend Chris Garinger who was with us was like look at this loser with his big, like, big blonde hair like who's this twisted sister want to be like he was talking like mad shit and loud like I am quite sure Joel heard him and then as soon as he started we were like this is the best band that ever existed <laughs> like <laughs> Uh, and I, you know, I've seen them dozens of times since then. We actually had the very great honor of opening for them as Creaturesoid. And it was really one of the best moments of my life because we had covered Toxic Holocaust songs because of that. Like, I bought a Flying Bee just like his. Like, I wanted to be Joel Grind so bad. And so to get to play with him and have him, he stood and watched our whole set and was, like, really cool about it. He was like, I really love, you know, you guys did a really good job. And he probably said that to everybody who opened for him on that whole tour, but it was still really cool and it was a really great moment. Yeah. And all of that comes back to that amazing At The Gates show. And we, the thing that I also want to say about At The Gates, and I don't mean to sort of jump take no, over, but totally. this would have been on my list too. Yeah, I figured we would co-pilot. Was that they, we saw him again in, that was 2008. Yeah. 
And we saw him again in 2014 or 15. Yeah, I don't... I'll research very... 2015. In Lincoln. And they didn't lose a step. They did not lose a beat in that whole time. No, and they had put out the new record, uh, the, the newest record at that point, which was amazing. Yes. And uh, even, you know, they played all of those songs... Everybody was super tight. They sounded exactly like they did on the record, which is something that you can always expect from them. Yeah. And even when they would go, there was like almost 10 years, like or like uh, over five years yeah. at least difference between the shit and, uh, or I don't know, time. I mean, there was a, a uh, substantial difference. And even when they played the stuff from Slaughter and the stuff from With Fear I Kiss the Burning Darkness, and so it, it just sounded exactly the same as the last time we saw them. Yeah. In the best way, not in like an annoying, like, no. oh, we're seeing the same show. And I've seen a lot of metal bands, specifically, who can't match the intensity or like the vocal delivery that they get on the record. And I don't hold that against them at all. No. Because sometimes you just can't do it every night in the same way. And like part of being making extreme art, to me, is pushing yourself to limits that maybe you can't replicate every night. And I have no, I don't criticize that at all. But Thomas Lindbergh is one of the best vocalists I've ever seen live. Yeah, easily like top five frontmen of uh, any band because he nails it every fucking time, and I've seen a lot of great singers. I mean, we've seen AFI, we've seen you know the Cure, people who sing very beautifully, and I don't think that Davey Havoc repl replicates what he does on the record as well as Thomas Lindbergh does. And what Thomas Lindbergh is doing is harder. Sure. Well, and even stuff like uh, like Touche, like oh yeah, Jeremy Baum. It's like his voice on that record comes through like so well, and it's hard to do live. Oh and yeah, stuff. and. Touche has the benefit of being able to uh, stop at any point and let the audience yeah, say it. <laughs> or at, in any word, any syllable of any word, he can just point the microphone to the crowd and the crowd is already, already doing it. So he gets the little bit of a break, but like their intensity is is I would, always there. I would put that on a, I had that as an honorable mention when we saw Touche in, in Omaha. Yeah, that was an amazing show. Um, big shout out to Tiny Moving Parts who opened that show and I had never heard of, didn't know anything about and within 30 seconds was like, this is my life. Like, I fucking love this band. Yeah, and uh, if for any reason the Tiny Moving Parts people hear this before they play the show at Rose Music Hall in Columbia, Missouri, which is where I live, I will be there, and I swear to God, if you don't teach me how to play Birdhouse, I'm going to be so fucking mad at you. <laughs> uh, and I'm not talking about how to play the notes. I'm talking about how to jump around and sing while doing that it. That was the thing, I think, that struck me. First of all, like when you go to see a band like Touche, if you're a fan of that band, you understand what I mean when I say you're not there to see anybody else. You know, Henry Rollins tells a great story about when, they, when the Rollins band opened for Iron Maiden. He's like, there's 40,000 people here, and none of them are here to see you. They are all here to see Iron Maiden, and you are in the way. And so I felt that way. I felt bad for Touche. I felt this way when we saw AFI, like, who, incidentally, Touche opened for. Yeah, that's crazy. That's the thing that's so crazy to me about you guys, like, loving Touche, which I like them a lot, too, but that we saw them and had no idea who they were, and it, like, didn't really make an impression, and it's so crazy to think back how much you like them now and you saw them before you even liked them yeah, yeah. and how music is like that sometimes it's i remember crazy. you guys getting back from that show and you were like hey this band opened for afi, AFI. and we didn't feel anything like either way about it but i think that you would really yeah. like it and you like showed me the record and and then a year passed yeah and then and we was... listened to the record every day one day we put it on at work and yeah. listen to it for a year straight. Well, where did we go? I think we just went to I 
it was when we went to the the Husker game yeah. where we listened to it all the way to Lincoln and all the way back. Yeah, it's a five hour drive, uh, both ways. And that's the only record we listened to the whole time. And it's a half an hour long record. I mean, it's not very long. So we listened to it over and over and over again. But what I will say, and I love Touche, and we all know that, but they did not get through the wall of, I'm here to see AFI, right? Like, and I don't only want to see AFI. Yeah. They, they did not break through that wall. And we, that wall existed for them when we went to see them. I didn't want to see anybody else. Like, these opening bands are in the fucking way. Like, I'm here to have this, like, religious experience because Touche is really important to me. And so quickly, I was in love with Tiny Moving Parts. Because not only is he probably the best guitar player I've ever seen. Yeah. Not only an amazing guitar player, but he's also, like, singing and jumping around. And, like, I, he was wearing me out just watching him. Like, sweat pouring down his face. I've never seen anybody exert so much energy. And for me, like, I, that was, a, as you both know, but a, as the, the people listening may not know, like, that had a really profound effect on me. Like, I came home, like, super depressed about that experience. And not because it was bad. But because like it made me feel really ugly because it was like a really beautiful experience and I felt like I didn't deserve to be there. And so like I wrote a bunch of really upset, like really depressing poetry that became the Christian House Party songs. Two of them actually came out of that experience. So that's why, you know, I, I didn't make it didn't make them my list really. It's an honorable mention that two shit concert. So I'm gonna go jump off of that and go to another thing where we lied to people to go. Um <laughs> uh, uh, and I'm picking Sion Rockfest 2008, 2009? It was, I think it was 2009. The first Sion Rockfest. Um, in which, Atlanta. In Atlanta. It was Mastodon, High on Fire, Neurosis, and then like every other band in the world. Toxic Holocaust was there. Skeleton Witch. Uh, Ailstorm, who suck ass. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck you. Like, uh, I'll tell that story in a minute, but y'all wrong. Fuck yourselves. So, it was a free festival put on by a Scion car company. Do they still exist? No. And this is why. It's gotta be why. <laughs> because later, the band that Zasha drove out to LA, Wormrot, they put, Scion put out a fucking grindcore record. Like, wow. for them. Which was great for them. They put it out for, for free, I think. Yeah, something. They put on a, a festival, and I guess, my theory is, your, your reasoning for putting on a festival is like advertising, right? Like, that's right. why you do it. So you got a bunch of fucking thrash metal and like stoner metal bands to play. Like, and I just remember there was a, a, a laugh, like a laugh that rolled through the line because there's a free festival. You did not have to pay to get in. Wow. But you had to be there to pick up the tickets the day of. And there yeah. were a limited number of tickets. And you had to reserve the tickets. You had to RSVP. And then you had to be in line. And as soon as they had reached it, you know, I think that they were like, let's say 10,000 tickets or whatever. Right. They took 12,000 or 13,000 RSVPs, so like... So there's a chance you wouldn't get in. So yeah. being us, we were there at like 4.30 in the morning. Like, we got the fuck in. Yeah. And it was a bunch of dirty, tattooed, uncivilized <laughs> people, none of whom to this day have bought a new car. Nobody who is there bought it has bought a 2008 or newer car. Yeah, they probably should have hosted like an EDM festival or something. Yeah. yeah. Those people have money. So we were just laughing. And people, I, I don't know how many times that day I heard somebody say, somebody's getting fired over this. Like, somebody is going to get fucking fired over this. Because you can't, yeah. You have dirty, sweaty, does not own a shirt, Matt Pike, like, pounding fucking whiskeys for free that he's not paying for. You know he's not. And, like, 
everybody who loves that band is also sweaty and pounding whiskeys. And, and like, spend all their money on fucking either drugs and booze or amps and guitars or drugs and booze and guitars and amps like yeah or and all of the money that they brought with them went to that enormous merch booth which was awesome uh where they were like we're gonna cram every band like yeah like 40 bands worth of merch into a 30 foot table and everybody's gonna fight over it (laughs) but it was an amazing day it was so much fun uh i got a concussion during toxic holocaust set it was the i've never seen anything like it to this day yeah that was what was that the was that when the guy like knelt down and then yes. another guy Leonidas ran and jumped, jumped off? off of him yeah, yeah to, to then crowd surf on top of him. on top of the two people there were two people crowd surfing and they were holding up a third guy oh, like a double decker yeah crowd i've surf. literally never seen anything like it and this is on the second floor of a decrepit old theater in atlanta where you could look down and see through the fucking floorboard, the cracks Wait, in the it floorboard. Wait, was an indoor thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it was well, it, it, three it indoor, was indoor stages and an outdoor stage. Oh, yeah. weird. And, like, the venue was super cool. And, oh, yeah. Like, Masquerade. It was super cool just because they had everything set up to where it was, like, all the thrash bands played upstairs. All the, like, weird sort of left field folk metal type bands played on the mid stage. And then all the black metal happened in the basement. And then all the, like, stoner sludge stuff yeah, the, was The outside. big stuff, then the, the headliners all took place outside. Oh. What was super cool about it too was it was like, like a family day at Disneyland where we like all split up and every like we we went together as friends and we watched some stuff together and then everybody kind of split up and then we all came back together for Mastodon at the end of the night and so we like all were together and it was like a really good experience. I'll never forget, Neurosis was playing. Oh man! And it was like eleven thirty at night and we'd been up all day. Because we we seriously we got there at like six o'clock in the morning to get because I'm not I mean we drove all the way to Atlanta. And, yeah. like, we stayed in Decatur, and we drove into Atlanta in the snow. Yeah. Uh, and Andrew Bach, the asshole Andrew <laughs> Bach, who uh, was like, I've been to this venue a thousand times. I'll be yeah, able to direct he, you. <laughs> he, did the, he did the, yeah, I'm, I'm great at navigating. Like, yeah. I'm the best navigator ever. He had no fucking idea where we were. Yeah, going. and we oh, get into boy. Atlanta, and we were like, okay, so how do we get to it? And he's like, I don't know. i never fucking been there. And I was like, I'm going to leave you here. But we did get there. And we were tired, and I just remember it was raining now. It had warmed up. So it's raining. The ground is muddy as fuck. And Zasha and I found a pizza box, an empty pizza box. We laid down on the ground, sat on it, leaned against each other on a, at a fence, and fell asleep during neurosis. And, oh, my God. And, like, neurosis is... The loudest sound. God, it's, like, it's a fucking supernova happening. And, like... Neurosis is like in my top 10 favorite bands of all time, like especially influential bands and stuff. And uh, there is literally nothing I would rather do than go to sleep and never be able to hear again while they're playing. And that was a cool show for a lot. I mean, like, because it was like our Detroit Rock City moment. Because, like, we got these free tickets and we fucking left town. He told his mom that he was staying with me or whatever. (laughs) And I told my mom I was fucking staying with him. And I was in college, but I mean, still, we, we were like, <laughs> and well, and I should have been in college, but I didn't have a job at this point. And my mom was like, you're not allowed to go. And I'm doing the like finger straight tisk tisk thing, yeah. be, which is a visual gag and it doesn't work in this video. <laughs> in this video. <laughs> um, but she was like, you're not, al- <laughs> exactly. She was like, you're not allowed to go. So I was like, I am studying at Xander's house and for, and I don't know why she believed us because it was, it had been like nine months since we graduated high yeah. school and I was not in college. So, and so we drove down to Atlanta and we had this, this amazing experience. And then, you know, Mastodon does a bunch of work with 
Scott Kelly from Neurosis. So he came out and sang all the fucking Scott Kelly songs. Yeah, that was amazing. And it was amazing. It was so cool. I'm mad at Mastodon. Why? Because I like Mastodon. But the time that we saw them, they sucked. Yeah, they were fucking terrible. And it really bothers me because I grew to love them a lot. And every I've only seen them once and it was horrible. So I've seen Mastodon a couple of times. The best time being, of course, this one. Though they played at the Blue Note in Columbia when we were in high school and that was fucking sweet. And that was right when Blood Mountain came out. And yeah, that was sick. And Uh, my mom made me leave three songs in. Which is Come on, Terry, get it together. Yeah. and the thing was that the best part of that night, because then we would later see Mastodon better, the best part of that night is that there's a local band. If you ever get a chance, they oh don't exist God, anymore. Oh, my God, yes. If you ever get a chance to find this band, they moved to Texas Texas uh, from Columbia and did a bunch of stuff. But the band is called Megazilla, and the record was Please, Please, Sorry, I'm Sorry, Thank You, or Thank You, I'm Sorry. It was one of, something like that. Find this fucking band. It is amazing. And they played for Xander and I and our friend Brandon. <laughs> that's it. And that's it. Because they were playing when doors were not even open yet. Yeah. They just showed up and played. Eight str- one eight-string bass run through distortion and drums. It was fucking amazing. It's the shit. If you, if you can ever find anything, the yeah. band is Megazilla. Definitely check them so out. So good. But we saw Mastodon at, Rock, at Mayhem Festival. Oh, okay. Um, and they were they were fucking terrible. It was awful. They were it was the end of the tour for the hunter. But like, here's a trick, kids, and I'm gonna tell you this is fun trick. Be super nice to people you in service positions. Just do it because it you'll never know what's gonna. Happen. First of all, it's good karma. But second of all, we were at is Rockstar Energy Drink put it on. They had a Rockstar Energy Drink tent. We walk up to the Rockstar Energy Drink tent. They are giving away free drink. Rock stars. Mm-hmm. So I literally this is all it took. I saw that the guy who was handing them to us had a Slayer shirt on. I said, thank you, when he handed me a drink. First thing, say thank you. It's very it's it, very it's, good. To and I was like, oh, thanks, man. Uh, I like your shirt. And he was like, fuck yeah, Slayer is awesome. We talked about Slayer for like five seconds. It literally was not more than a small talk conversation. And he was like, are you going to come to the signing? Because Mastodon was signing in that tent. And I was like, I'm kind of thinking about it, man, but I don't want to, you know, like that. that's a big goddamn line and whatever and i don't i don't know what time do we what time do you line up what time do you recommend lining up because i don't want to miss bands and he was like fuck lining up lining up is for losers you meet me right here at 215 points to the edge of the side of the tent so we come back at 215 there is a line literally so long i cannot see the end of it and he, we're at the front of the tent the line goes all the way back into the fucking crowd for one of the stages and <laughs> i have yeah no... there was probably over 400 people in line or something million years line if we got yeah. in that line we never fucking make it. I walk up and I'm like, I don't know about this. Like, you know, it, it, is it morally wrong to cut all these people in line? And that guy walks out of the tent. like, my friend, hey, come here. Puts us in the front of the very fucking front of the line. <laughs> he was like, I know you wanted to meet Mastodon. So here, here you go, man. Thank you. know, You have a great day and walked away. And I was like, <laughs> here's the thing, though. You should be nice to people. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. You should always be nice to people. It's very good to be nice to people. However, this always happens to you specifically. There is something about you that ingratiates you to people who've only known you for like three seconds. Because this happens every place we go. We went to freaking Universal Studios and this guy just sees you and is like, nah, you don't need to wait in this 
a 120 minute line just go in the fast pass line and you're like are you sure dude and he's like yeah slytherin for life why <laughs> they all he did was look at you <laughs> well i think again what happened was we were walking i i i do agree i have i'm very lucky in this regard but again we were walking towards him and i was like how's it going man like because he's the guy who tells you which line to get into right yeah but I just greeted him because I greet everybody because they're human beings and they deserve your respect and your attention. And yeah, then we skipped a two-hour line. I'm just saying, like, this happens to us so much. And, like, part of the reason I love being married to you is because I get to be the extra beneficiary of this of this amazing skill and talent that you have of being nice to people. See, and, like, I have the, the opposite thing happen to me. <laughs> I mean, Even if you have the past. Yeah, yeah, well, I was at the airport. I was... <laughs> yesterday and the kansas city airport is weird like the way that it's laid out it sucks ass i'm gonna go ahead it was designed by a community college Um, student it was designed it was designed by the devil and built by a madman the the (laughs) fact that there is like 15 gates in a group but they all you have to go through one door that leads you into a very small room uh to get through them but i see the tsa guy and i was like there's like a pre-check and a one that's not marked and i look at the guy i was like hey which line do I get in to go do it? And he looks at me and without words says the phrase, you don't have enough money to fly on a plane. What the fuck do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I, uh, sir, I have my boarding pass ready. <laughs> I would very much like to get on this plane. He's not going to let you get on the plane even if you have a ticket. Yeah, you don't pass the credit chip. <laughs> yeah, or like the guy at LAX where I was like, hey, which way do I go for outside? And he's like, go down this escalator right now. And I was like, is that that how you go outside? And he's like, that's how you're going outside. (laughs) That's where you're going now. So that was cool. We got got through the line, but then Mastodon was total assholes to us, and then their show fucking sucked ass. They were terrible that day. And that is what made the fact that the album that came out the next year being so good, it hurt so bad. Because yeah, because they hadn't been so bad. They I... were they were terrible. They were fucking super rude to me because, like... I mean, I think they were rude to everybody. I don't think it was specifically me. But, like, I fucking love that band. And I was like... I don't ride nuts very often to people. like, But I was like, hey, a big part of the reason that I play guitar is because of you guys. And, like, he was like, whatever. And, like, rolled his <laughs> eyes at me. Bill Kelleher and I was like fine fuck yourself and I had always assumed that Brent Hines would be a huge asshole and he was the only person who looked me in the face that whole time and he shook my hand and was nice to me so Bill fuck you and it turns out you know I'd always thought of myself as being as taking my cues from Bill but if you listen to anything that we produced after that I like switched my guitar style everything about how I play guitar changed because of that and then they were really bad and I've had the good fortune to see them be really good yeah yeah I'd like to try to see them again sometime. I don't want to give them a fucking dime. You're still mad. Yeah, well, and the problem is that, like, I really liked Emperor Sands. Did you? Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't what I wanted because Once More Around the Sun was incredible. Yeah. But it was, it had a similar effect, though not quite as hard as when Cracked Sky came out. And it wasn't what I wanted because Blood Mountain was so incredible. And then I slowly got into more, to less heavy metal music and more, like, progressive music with melodies and dynamics and stuff like that and i really started to appreciate the textures yeah and like the way that the songs are built and everything and it's it got super super cool uh but emperor of sand has not made it to that point yet i didn't dislike emperor of sand but it didn't strike me like i i immediately like yeah 
to quote one of my favorite punk rock guys whose name I don't know, when when Once More on the Sun came out, it was like a fucking meteor hitting a fucking the planet. Like, yeah. I remember that album coming out because I wanted to hate it. I was ready to hate it because they had been so bad live and they had been such jerks and the album that they had come out with before fucking sucked. Yeah. And and even the... I don't even remember what the song is called. Chimes at Midnight. Yeah. They like... Evan, the, our old drummer... Uh, loved, fell in love with that song immediately. And, and shoved it down our throats like a lunatic. And the recording that he showed us was super shitty. It was like a live bootleg yeah. recording that somebody recorded on like a Nokia phone. And we, we were both like, this is going to suck so bad. And then the mother load starts, and yeah. you're like, all right, where is this acoustic thing going? And then you're like, this is yes. where it's fucking going. <laughs> Fuck yes, this is awesome. Even the, like, hey-ho, let's go let's, fucking rock and roll or yeah, whatever. Like, that, that then grew, ends the song. It grew on me, though. Like, now I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, yeah. I love that album. And it's too bad that they're such bad, jerky people. And I guess they're having kind of a hard time. Personally, As a band, yeah. yeah, didn't they just like cancel? Yeah, their their manager, uh, their longtime manager, just passed away, and I mean, rest in peace to that guy. Yeah, for sure. Everything that I read said that he was a really good guy, and I feel you know I feel for you when you lose somebody that you're close to. Like, there's nothing. It's it's gutting, and there's nothing that you can can do about that. And I respect the fact that they were like, when they found out that he was sick, because he hadn't died when they canceled the, the tour. Yeah, they're like, look, we got to spend time with our friend. Like, I don't. None of this matters. And I appreciate that. And I think that there are people who who sort of knocked them for that. And I, I don't understand that. Sure. There are things more important than, than the show. But, okay, you're up. And we got to start yeah. punching through these people. <laughs> I know. Already. This is 40 pod- minutes in. Yeah, we're gonna this have is going to be our longest podcast I think everybody, yet. you're going down. you, you got to cut one. You gotta- <laughs> <laughs> maybe we cut it into a two-part. Or- yeah, maybe we'll cut it into a two-part. Um, so, one of my other most memorable concert experiences is probably, like, the first concert I ever went to, um, which was when I was, I believe, six or seven. Do not press <laughs> the wrong button. You can't you can't say someone's most memorable concert experience is wrong. I can. No. I can. No. Go on. Let's hear, let's hear about Britney Spears. No, I don't want to now. It's Britney Spears. I don't want to talk about it anymore. You shamed me. I don't care. I love it. I don't that was Sasha's turn. Come on, tell us about Bernie Spears. I like how long that button is. <laughs> 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 Some of them are long. No, I'm sorry. That's I- very rude. We've talked many a time to people we know and maybe on this podcast about how it's okay to like different types of music and you shouldn't shame people for liking things. Okay, fine, whatever. Take it back. Where's the opposite of wrong button? I don't care. Why are you like this? They're both dancing. I don't understand. I gotta say, just as a quick thing, I fucking love that song. Uh, and uh, Charlie XCX, if you're if you would know anybody who's wanting to get married that is called Charlie XCX and looks exactly like you and does songs and cool stuff, come. My name's Zasha. <laughs> we, yeah, hit us up on our Twitter. I'll get. I'll put you in touch. Because uh, I don't care. You know, I was supposed to see Charlie XCX, and the venue in Lawrence took so long to uh, check everyone through security that I missed her. I am so upset. That's really stupid. That sucks. I want to give a shout out to the security guard at the... Where did we see John Carpenter? 
uh, the Talia Hall. Or, no. oh, here? Yeah. The Palladium. Palladium? Palladium. That, for not knowing that the rivets in jeans will set off the fucking metal detector <laughs> and subjecting literally every single person to a full TSA pat down. Like, because, and finally the fucking supervisor walks up and is like, you idiot. Like, you can't take this long to check everybody and it will be tomorrow before everyone gets through here. Anyway, when I was six or seven, I saw Britney Spears. <laughs> At Six Flags St. Louis. Bummer. There's a they do music at Six Flags? Yes, they used to. Oh. And this is how I saw Britney Spears before she was like super famous. I saw her at Six Flags St. Louis and it was one of those things where it's like you've never been to a concert before. You know how how magical concerts are? Yes. And it's like when you're 6 and you see someone that looks so beautiful like Britney Spears and there's these big set pieces which I imagine probably look like shit, but I was 6. Yeah, so they look it's, amazing. It's the fucking <laughs> the painted in blood Halloween decorations yeah. effect. Like. And I got to stand and watch her, and it was amazing, and it was so much fun. And I feel like that established a love of Britney Spears that I'll never get rid of because it was like the first most magical experience I ever had. And so my mom and I went to see, have seen Britney Spears on every single tour since then. But that one was the one that started it all. And it's just a really fond memory I have. Of, like, the very first concert I ever went to. Yeah. And I'll always be, like, get to be a cool hipster and be like, I saw Britney Spears at Six Flags. Ha. That's Is that what cool hipsters say? Yes, they do. What was your first concert? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. No, tell us. Um, I don't know for certain that it was my first concert. Um, the first memory, though. The first one that I remember going to was, and it is either something cool or something really shitty. Uh, because it was either Government Mule, who Warren Haynes, very good guitar player, very fun. As far as jam bands go, that's the only one that counts. If you listen to Fish, fuck off. Dude, I bet seen you saw it with your dad, right? Yeah. Dude, I bet seeing Government Mule with your dad would have been a fucking oh, yeah. blast. And I saw it with Starnes too, and we oh, were yeah. like we we were having a great old time. Uh, or it was the show that I saved up my allowance and I think I paid for at least my ticket to it. Uh, which was I took my dad to see Buck Cherry. Oh uh, yay! At the blue, and I'm gonna go ahead and hit this <laughs> myself um, because, man, that was a show. Uh, my favorite part of that show, however, was when the singer of Buck Cherry was like, "Who here likes to drink Bud Light from a can?" And everybody, everybody in the audience except for me and I'm pretty sure Starnes was like, "Yeah," and he's like. Who likes to do cocaine? <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, who likes to do cocaine while drinking Bud Light from a can? And then less people. And he's like, this is a song about doing cocaine while drinking Bud Light out of a can. And it, the song lit up, started playing. Uh, the question I would have about that is like, that's the whole catalog. Yeah. That's, that's the entire the Buck Cherry catalog. Well, the thing was is that this was after Crazy Bitch came out. Oh my god, I have to show you the best fucking mashup of crazy. No, 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 no. I wanna know. It's so I won't I'm not gonna tell you what it is, I'm just gonna play it for you. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. Click this button. It is absolutely the most I've never seen music make someone cry from horror in my life. I really I need to know. So my first concert, just to complete the 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 point. I saw ZZ Top at the Nebraska State Fair. Oh, my, see, cool. that would be badass. My friend Greg, Greg Sorum's mom, took a, took everybody there first. Con- everybody that I know, Greg Sorum's mom 
took them, took to, her them to their first concert because she was the late. She was the mom who would like let us all sleep over and like practice guitar in her basement and like she used to let us. Uh, she would like rent Texas Chainsaw Massacre and and Freddy vs Jason and like Mallrats and we could watch them. That's the first. That's the first place I saw all of these fantastic movies with Greg's yeah. parents' house. Um, and she t- she took. Another friend of ours to see fucking Metallica, which was a way better what? first concert than ZZ Top. But she took me, and they took us to the State Fair, and took us to see ZZ Top, and it was you know really cool. I had never heard a ZZ Top song in my life at that point. Because uh, you grew up in the North. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because Nebraska was a free state. But I still maintain that everybody loves... Uh, listen to the music by the Doobie Brothers. No, everybody below the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> line if you grew up in a non-Confederate state, you are not required to love the Doobie Brothers. But it's a good song. It's not. It's, it's a got a good song. message. <laughs> it doesn't have any message. The message is, whoa, listen to the music. Right, which is what they're selling. It's an ad. Yeah. For the Doobie and, Brothers. And the Doobie Brothers were also responsible for other hits, probably. <laughs> You know, I was supposed to see Buck Cherry one time, and because they were opening for Kiss when I saw Kiss, and yes, that was my expression too. Why is Buck Cherry opening for Kiss? I don't understand. But we got there late because we were driving to Chicago from San- from Columbia, and the line was super long, and we were the the show was already like an hour into it. And I was asking, I was like, why are there so many people here? And the guy in front of me is like, nobody wanted to see Buck Cherry, so we all got here late. <laughs> awesome. You know what my favorite thing about Buck Cherry is? Is that it's Chuck Berry. Is that it's Chuck that. Berry. It's an anagram for Chuck Berry. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Buck Cherry. Yeah, me either. It's like the fucking hot dog dream. <laughs> um, Though the guy from Buck Cherry... Okay, so I brought my own research fairy in. Okay, uh, research fairy. The guy from Buck Cherry is at that party in the first Triple X movie. Yeah. I watched it again... And there's only three people in the whole party that I know, which is Matt Hoffman, the dude from Buck Cherry, and yeah, who is the only, Eve is the only person who's famous at that point, who is super famous, who was not playing themselves. I feel like the guy who's like, what's up? That was off the hook. Yes, I, yeah. I feel like that's somebody I'm supposed to know. Yeah, I feel like he's like a skateboard. Or a, I, th- I thought he was a, a dirt bike guy. But, oh, he, it might be. But I, I know. we're going to research fairy. Hey, it's the Research Fairy. This one turned out to be kind of a challenge to answer, but I went to my DVD copy to get a good quality image of the guy and did some research against the cameo list. It turns out the guy we're referring to is Carrie Hart, a former American motocross rider who happens to be married to the singer Pink. Now you know. Yeah. Um, uh, the only dirt bike guy fairy. I know is Shepard. <laughs> the only dirt bike guy I know is Travis Pastrana, who I think was like nine years old when that movie came out. <laughs> and it was not that guy. Yeah. Um, okay, so my next one is, I saw this kind of, it was kind of a secret show in that it was fucking impossible to figure out where it was, and what time, and who was playing. Uh, Excellent. But they had posted uh, this really, really great rapper from LA, uh, which is Over Mike Eagle, incredible dude, incredible musician, he does like cool art rap, and it's like... It's next level. It's very good. It's amazing. Um, He's a really talented guy. And it's super relatable as well, which is a problem that, like, a lot of people that I know of many different backgrounds uh, backgrounds have problems, like, associating with mainstream hip-hop culture because it's about money, and none of the people I know have money at all. Um, Well, to quote one of my current favorite 
uh, artist in general. Money ain't shit if you never fucking had it. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Leo Farr. Yeah. Um, Mr. Sayer. Mr. Sayer. Yeah. Uh, Excuse me. It, yeah. Yeah. It's Sir or Mr. Yeah. Sayer. Please edit that out. I, I will. Um, <laughs> no, so, uh, yeah, I saw I saw Open My Eagle at the True False Film Festival, which is this big... <laughs> it's a big pain-in-the-ass film festival in Colombia uh, that takes place downtown, and... It's a fucking nightmare, and there's almost never anything good at it. Uh, but there's like a thousand, a f- fucking fifteen thousand people show up, and they're all huge assholes about everything. It is really the worst thing that can happen to Colombia. I don't. I think that you guys think that because you lived there for so long. Yes, yeah. I think I hate this thing because it, I lived there and saw what it was. Yeah. Yes, I agree completely. Because I remember I used to. I dated this girl who worked for. She like volunteered for True False the year that I, we were dating. And that year was super fun. I think that was, like, 2006 or 2007. And we saw, like, Air Guitar Nation was that year, and Devil Came on Horseback, which is a very depressing movie. But we saw that. And... But anyway, so Open Mic plays this, like, amazing show that was fucking impossible to find. I You can't find it online anywhere. It wasn't on the True-False schedule. He had, like, tweeted about the show. Or posted on Instagram, like, four months before it happened. And then you couldn't find shit about it. And I managed to track down the show. I figured it out where it was. And they wanted, like, a ton of money to get in. Wait, more than... If it was not at True False, it would have been... Oh, yeah, it would have been a $10 show. Yeah, but because it was True False, they wanted, like, $20 or something like that. Which is totally worth it. Amazing show. Oh, yeah. I, I And I I think it, I would be less mad about it if they, if that had been money that they had given to Mike. Yeah. Instead of pocketing for their own horse shit. Yeah, but I, I guarantee he saw like three dollars out of every ticket sold but the thing that sticks out for me about that show was that he and i have a mutual friend and we like didn't talk or anything for a really long time and like all of us kind of lost touch i had like tweeted at mike a couple of times about like weird stuff and we all kind of stopped talking and i i saw mike who didn't look like he wanted to talk to anybody and i just wanted to say hi and be like hey this person who we both know says hello because they knew that i was going to the show and he it was his expression totally changed he like 180 back out the door and he stood outside and talked to me and for like 45 minutes so long that a queue of people that was like out the venue door formed behind me and as soon as he was done talking to me he turned around and went inside and left all of these other people because he wasn't trying to have that conversation with anybody right it was just like we had something in common and it, it was cool because like they the people behind me were like kids i went to high school with and stuff and they were like <laughs> how long have you known mike that he stood out here and talked to you for like 45 minutes i was like 46 Six minutes, minutes. <laughs> is how long i've known him but then he played a really nice show it was great highly recommend you check out his music i do too um, he's great then I saw him after the show. He gave me a giant hug. He took a bunch of selfies with me, uh, which was very cool. He, like, gave me some socks that he was <laughs> – that, like, he had open my Eagle socks. He, like, gave me a pair of socks. He gave me – I was, like, let me get a CD and two of these records and one of these other things and, like, a pair of – he just, like – he I think he charged me for, like, one record. And he was, like, the conversation and the hug and all that stuff more than pays for the rest of this stuff. That's awesome. And, like, that ingratiated me. I will – there is no – there is nothing in the world, Mike, if you hear this, there is literally nothing in the world that you could ask me to do that I would not do for you because you're like seriously the most straight up guy I've ever met. It's pi- really cool. I'm going to pivot off of that and I'm actually going to drop one that was on my list and put a different, this is not one show, it's a series of shows and I think maybe that doesn't count, but I, I, 
I don't Wait, care. Wait, can I press no, the button? No, you can't. I'm covering Let the me thing. press the button. No. I want to press You're the... You're going to press the wrong button and stop the fucking recording. Then you press it. No. Press it. Um, uh, I'm going to say the many times we saw in defense, but specifically the last time. Yeah. The one... Yeah. Yes. So there's been in defense we had like never really heard of. Like we'd seen the name, like people talked in like hushed tones about how great this band was, but I had never heard them. And that we opened for them at the same venue at the cafe in Columbia. And they're amazing. They're one of the best crossover bands of all time. So much fun. Ben Crew is the individual champion best frontman I've ever fucking seen in my life. Yeah. The dude is amazing. And I had the really good fortune to be taught to talk to him after the show about he's a straight edge guy, I'm a straight edge guy. Like, and talk about, like, it's hard to be a straight-edge metal guy because, like, metal people tend to be, like, drink beer, smoke right. weed kind of stuff. And so we, we talked about that, and we struck up a, a, a friendship with he and the and everybody, but specifically Ben and, and Jimmy, their guitar player, who is probably the coolest person I I personally know. Yeah, I, I get, Jimmy is another person where there is literally nothing in the world oh, yeah, that, no. that he could ask me to do that I wouldn't That I would turn him. down. And... Jimmy has a really amazing ability to make you feel like you're the only person in a room. Yeah. Even if the room is full. And so we were slated to open for them. We'd been friends. They'd stayed at our house a couple of times, like, which is amazing. Get start a fucking band because start a band, get a, a band house and put up other ba touring bands because so, so quickly you'll realize that like your biggest rock star heroes are people who, you know, yeah. who hang out in your house, who you drive their fucking van to LA, yeah, because their driver turns out doesn't have a license. Uh, but we would anytime a band stayed with us, we'd take them to the grocery store. We get they'd pick out a bunch of stuff that they could then take with them. That you know, peanut butter and jelly, some like yeah. canned goods, shit like that. And that is like such good karma in general. Well, yeah, and you meet really interesting, amazingly cool people who have really cool things to say and cool stories and it was really is it it's really a special thing to have those connections to people in that world so then some years later we've been friends for a long time uh we had a band called old scratch zasha and i that was really good and is really good and it it would still be really good if anybody but xander and i were as committed to that band as xander and i were Although I will shout out Brando, yeah, who worked his fucking ass off for that band. I will also shout out the kid yes. who, when he was called upon to fill the spot, came in and nailed it. And he, he spent he tirelessly in a work ethic I have never seen from him again. Right <laughs> to to learn and perfect those songs. And unfortunately, that was like a terrible breakup. And I feel like we should we could have put that on the breakup episode because like, what happened was the album failed to really come together the way that we wanted it to. There was a lot of problems and we just were so tired because we'd put so much into it that we just couldn't keep going. But we have a very dear friend who we call the dog, Evan, but I, I we always call him the dog. I, I don't think I've referred to him by his name unless I'm specifically talking to somebody who doesn't know him. Yeah. And the dog quit old scratch like three hours before we were supposed to open for in defense at the biggest show pop probably that we would have ever played. Yeah. It's a packed house. There's a million fucking people there. So in the way that I do, I said to the in defense guys, like, oh, hey, let's have dinner. Like, I'll take you out to dinner before the show. We went and had Thai food. It was really nice. Their singer, Ben, Ben Crew, the coolest person in the world, like, you should play one of your songs anyway. Like, we have a drummer. We'll loan you a drummer for the fucking show. And I was like, oh, no, man, it's cool. Like, 
it's fine. And I talked to the drummer Danny for a little while about like, oh, well, this is a song if you want to listen to it. And we were sort of because the single had dropped that day. Like we were just put it out. We were super stoked. Yeah. And I said, ah, oh, Ben, it's fine. We're just we just won't do it. it. It's cool. Like and so they're playing. They're up on the stage. Like because I remember before they started, I go up to Xander and I was like, hey, because he had told me that it, this was a thing that might happen. And I was like, hey, is this still going on? And you, like, looked at me and you were like, no, we just decided not to well, do it. Well, because I believe very seriously that, like, the stage is a sacred place. When you when your band is on stage, like, it's yours. Yeah. And it belongs to you. And I would never try to intrude on somebody else's space. So they're playing. They're an amazing band. In Defense is a phenomenal band. And a really great crowd participation band. They're very, like, I, there have been times where Ben would lift me he lifted me up with one arm. He yeah. picked my whole body up once. And to put it into perspective, Ben Crew is about the size and shape of Danny DeVito. And I am six foot four. <laughs> so and he, he held out the microphone. <coughs> I like was singing into it. He grabbed my hand, put my hand on the microphone, and physically lifted me onto the stage. But so there, there are a lot of it's a very raucous show, a lot of fun. So they're playing. He stopped. They stopped between songs, and he's like, "I want to shout out my friends." In Old Scratch, who are here tonight, and we were like, hey, you know, waving, it's a good time, we're up front. And he's like, they had a song drop today, and they were supposed to play this show. And we were like, yeah, that sucks. And it was cool, because you're getting shouted out by your fucking favorite singer. Yeah, by yeah. your absolute heroes. It's so cool, and he's like, but they don't have a drummer. Well, we have a drummer, and he physically grabs yeah. us and pulls us on the stage. Jimmy Claypool, my fucking hero, hands me his fucking guitar, and they're like, Go. They're they, like, the stage is yours. Do it. Play the song. And I was like, I I think we both wept afterwards. Yeah. Just like. I don't think I've ever. I mean, like, we've been playing in bands forever. And I don't think I've ever been as nervous as that. And it wasn't even because we were put on the spot uh, no, we to could, do we it. We practiced that song for a year and a half. We and could play it in our sleep. Yeah, it was fucking. Per we could play it without a drummer and beatbox the thing. Yeah. And it was, it was one of those that, like your favorite people are like giving you the platform to do it and like i was like shaking to like, have the respect of people you respect yeah. i think is what it was to have the people that you love love you enough to say do this thing and we played one song and first of all i want to give a big shout out to danny who learned that whole fucking song which is not easy and yeah it's got tempo changes and time signature changes and it was he learned it in like two hours and, yeah and it was really special, and it was an amazing moment, and I'll never, ever, ever forget it. And I went to that show to watch, and I got to participate, and I got to be part of it. And that band, Ben left after that, uh, pretty soon after, and they, I haven't seen him since, and it was really, it's too bad. Definitely go check out their records. Party Lines and Politics is one of the best albums I've ever heard. So good. Um, uh, we used to put it on, we had a giant oak tree in our front yard at, the, at our like band house. And we used to put it on the turntable, and we'd crank up the the yep. monitor super fucking loud. And then we would all circle, circle pit around, pit the, around tree. the tree. And the every, to the so much displeasure by everybody else who lived in that neighborhood, the homeowners association, we were lowering <laughs> people's property values. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, but it was it's so that, great. That's a great show, and I'll never forget that one. You're up. Well, mine's actually kind of related to that one. It took place at the Blue Note. Both of you were there. Do you know what I'm going to say? I think I know. I think I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I may recall this one. Yeah, this, it, it may it, have. <laughs> this show was extra special because it was you guys playing on the Blue Note stage. That was cool. So it was a good show. 
But during the show, something very special happened. My guitar string broke. <laughs> it was really... <laughs> it was <a> <laughs> He's saying no because I was just singing that show. I didn't have a guitar. (laughs) (laughs) I was playing your guitar. (laughs) And the strings were fun. Yeah. So the music was great, obviously, because you guys were playing. But what made it extra special was that Xander proposed to me on stage in front of everybody. Where she couldn't probably say no. (laughs) (laughs) She would have to say no later, but not in front of people. Spoiler alert, I did not say no. It was bullshit, too, because I knew it was coming. Because we'd planned this thing forever. Oh, for months. And I knew it was coming, and I still cried. Aww. I mean, it was like how you zagged us at your wedding, <laughs> your wedding vows. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> was hateful. Man. But. Oh, uh, yeah. We did. We had talked about getting married on Halloween. We'd kind of always talked about how if we ever were going to get married, we'd get married on Halloween. And so we learned Halloween by the Misfits via AFI because in the AFI cover of that song, they add a chord change and it's really fucking cool. Yeah, it's definitely cool. So the boys and I learned the song. We practiced the song. We were all ready to go. And I said something to the effect of like, I want to make this moment special for somebody. I want to make this last forever. And so I jumped off the stage and I did the one knee thing. It really hurt because my knees are not very good. And she didn't really understand what was happening for a second. We, like, you said yes, and we hugged and kissed, and everybody was crying. And then Rob counted in, and we fucking nailed that song. Yeah, we went into it. We yeah, played it Halloween. A, and it was an awesome experience. Yeah. And a year later, we got married on Halloween. Yeah, and who the fuck gets married on Halloween? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a cool show. Especially because, like, the other band we played with fucking sucked. Is that the Painted and Blood show? <laughs> that was, like, the whole, Yeah. They were fucking terrible. Like, they were especially terrible that night, which made us sound so much better. Was that the one that they set up all the bullshit Mm -hmm. on stage? Yeah, where they set up their fucking drumizer, even though there were six bands and they were the last band to play. Yeah. And it's a fucking locals only show. They set up their fucking drumizer like they're fucking Metallica. And and everybody had to... So Rob had to play off the stage in the corner. Yeah. This is a stage, for the record, that, like, giant international touring bands play on. Yes. We saw Rob Zombie play there. And they took up so much space that we... Our drummer had to set up half off the stage in the back. Like, behind the amps. Yeah. But that was the show where we did that awesome thing where we started playing. It came from beneath the sea and we walked out one at a time. This is oh, as, yeah. I was, as I was learning the stuff that would later make Old Scratch such a visually satisfying band. That was a really cool show. I had a, yeah. I had a really good time. We've played, we, we have had the good fortune to play some really great shows like that. Yeah. I uh, An honorable mention from me, I wasn't going to do it because it kind of... I didn't know if it broke the rules or not. I'm not <laughs> trying to get the buzzer on me. Um, was really just for her. <laughs> but, Thank you. But uh, the Rose Noir show that we set up, we oh that was a really good show. Um, it that was good. it was the second iteration of Old Scratch, the final iteration of Old Scratch. And really, I don't, I don't really want to talk about the, the. That was the second to last Old Scratch show ever. But I, but that's I, the last. That's one. the last one I recognize. And we we had put so much preparation into it. We got a really diverse. It was a great bill. Uh, bill for it. Uh, our good friends, Riley and Calvin, they came out from St. Louis. They were in a band called Caught Dead, which, which is amazing. I fucking buy, love. Buy their shit on Bandcamp. Um, uh, we named a song on our upcoming Christian House Party record after that band. It's such a great band. It's really, really good. And then Spectral Incision. And Spectral Incision, uh, which was like more of a, like an industrial electronic That's thing. That's our friend Mike and Ophelia and then Jonesy. And Jonesy. Uh, and they fucking killed it. And nobody, you know, we were, and then we did like, 
I don't know, like sad boy. Mastodon goth rock. Yeah. But we set up this really diverse build. We did all this cool stuff. We had a lot of preparation go into it. A lot of stage show things go into it. And it it just went off without a hitch. Yeah, I don't it was think, perfect. It was I awesome. We didn't have a single issue. Uh, that was the kid's first time playing with us, and he fucking nailed it. Yeah. The kid and I, if the he will vouch for this, that whenever he and I were living together and we would get like sad about not making music or anything, we would go back and we would watch that video we would watch the two house party videos from the cafe show and like one other and the old scratch one that kelly betts recorded oh yeah thank you kelly by the way because like we didn't have that's all we have that's like the evidence that we have of this stuff that happened and we gotta we we gotta do a a sidebar hot take sidebar oh yeah you wanted to do so this is a new segment we're gonna do anytime anybody comes to the studio to, to record with us. If you have hot takes on previous episodes, write them down so that when you're here, you can be like, I want to talk about pizza for a second. So, yeah. And because there's only four episodes before this one, I'm in a hot take all of them. Oh, I'm uh, so excited. So this is the hot shit button right here. It's a red one. So, so every time I'm in a hot take and then hot shit. I and, can't wait. Um, okay, so the first episode was like groups of people, squads, suicide, or otherwise. Yes. And I pick the group from friends but specifically excluding their like relationships with each other okay okay um so chandler will not be married to monica ross will not have a baby with rachel and phoebe is not married to paul rudd though paul rudd can come Yay. <laughs> uh, mostly because phoebe is my favorite person she's an insane crazy lady who thinks that her mom is or her grandma is a cat in her guitar case and all kinds of crazy shit. I like her evil sister Ursula. Yeah, her evil porn sister Ursula um, (laughs) who goes by Phoebe Buffet for porn (laughs) reasons. Um, Yeah, but I would bring them. They they get along and and if you look if you think about it, who's the tallest who's the biggest one in that group? It's Ross. Ross. And so Ross has the most meat on his body. Oh my god, you're gonna eat him? So if if (laughs) If we run out of food, there is an easy first candidate for how we can all survive. That's so dark. Yeah, but Ross sucks. Uh, David Schwimmer, <laughs> shout out to David Schwimmer. He plays a character really well. David Schwimmer is like a really good guy in person from what I hear. Also did an amazing job in that Revolt movie about the Warsaw Uprising. I really liked that movie. Nobody else watched it, but I remember Yeah, it. I've never heard of that before, but I heard that you did a good job in it. And Band of Brothers, you were really good in Band of Brothers too. But if we were on a desert island and you, you were playing Ross, I would eat. Um, the second, oh, um, the, the second one was, uh, breakup songs. Uh, I got, I have three specifically the Glenn Hansard cover of Crimea River by Justin Timberlake. Agreed. Uh, because that cover is really good. That song is really good. It's a good breakup song. Um, very soulful cover though. And, but yeah, Glenn Hansard is just really good. Uh, I got to throw out an American football song because that whole fucking record is about breaking up, but kid. <laughs> I will not be saying never meant, uh, even though that video is absolutely heartbreaking. The The song right after that is a song called The Summer Ends, and it's like, it's about the guy realizing that their relationship doesn't work anymore, and he's like trying to figure out like how best to say goodbye to the person who he still loves, who like they don't, cl- they don't click. The end of the song is him basically waiting, waiting until the summer ends to like try to figure out how to end the thing. Sad. Crushing song, American football. Mike Mansella, I think is his name. Chill the fuck out, man. So I think what we need to do now, really, is 
to get an Australian singer and do a band called Australian Football. I know. But we would just call it footy. Yeah. And we would do that. Look up Aussie Rules Football. Like, don't... I'm not going to sit here and explain it to you. It's impossible to explain If Quidditch was real... It would be Aussie Rules Football. If Quidditch was real and they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, if Quidditch was real at a context board. Um, Aussie Rules Football is very cool. There's a really great band from China called Chinese Football. And there's a really great picture of the dudes from Chinese Football at an American football show. Uh, very funny. And then the other song is that I'm going to shoot Ben Gibbard from Death Cab. Because the song Brothers on a Hotel Bed uh, makes me cry literally every single time. And there's a really uncomfortable video. Don't watch it. Don't look it up. Of Laura Mayberry from Churches on stage with them at like a festival doing a cover of that song and she ben gibbard at the end like tries to give her like a low five and she like walks right past him she was like (laughs) she was like i liked this idea at first but then by the time the song ended i want to die and i'm leaving do they have like a history or something no it was just they were also playing the festival and her voice is super beautiful but uh speaking of uncomfortable videos by the way uh don't also don't look up the video for there's a girl in the corner by twilight said i didn't know they did a video for that it is fucking horrifying okay I will i'll not. show it to you later because i don't it's not necessary that I song is amazing i don't know what's going on in it it's like it's like an argento movie <laughs> okay okay so uh the next one was uh pizza toppings i have two pineapple and black olive pizza i don't even fuck i'll fight everybody fuck you kid me and xander fighting <laughs> the fuck out of people you guys have to stop challenging um, people to fight no <laughs> Not possible. I so, fights. Uh, pineapple and black olive pizza is really good. Uh, there was a girl that I dated one time that she that was her favorite pizza. And in order to get her to keep talking to me, I lied to her and told her that it was my favorite pizza. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, that's so weird that we have the same pizza. <laughs> and we got one. And I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. Sometimes you have to lie to people so that you can fall in love. And it, that's not good advice, but it's true. It was really, I rolled the hard six with that. Because if I didn't like it after we ate it, I knew that if like we continued you to date, fake it. I would have to eat it for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, there was a moment when we were 16 years old. Uh, and I remember you. we were outside of our physics class. And you were like, man, our bass player sucks ass. And he does suck ass (laughs) still to this day. You were like, I think we need a new bass player. And I was like, I'm a great bass player. I've been playing bass. I've been playing bass for like 10 years. I'm so fucking good at bass. I'll be your bass player. Like, hook me up, man. Like, I am so fucking good at bass. You would not believe it. I didn't even know which. I didn't know what a bass guitar. Like, I knew what it looked like, but I didn't know what made it different from a regular guitar, sort of. Uh, and on that recommendation of him being like, I am the best bass player of all time. I like unceremoniously fired our bass player and was like, and made up some real bullshit about why. (laughs) And I was like, it was basically that scene from school of rock where Dewey shows up and he's like, this is spider. He's replacing you. (laughs) And I taught myself how to play bass as we went. Changed the course of history. And it was great. We had a great time. I lied and now we're best friends. Like it's great. Uh, so lie to your friends. And the the other really good pizza, if you ever get the chance, those two dollars Tony's pizzas. Uh, you get the cheeseburger one. You put it in there. You put it in there for like one minute too long, so it gets super crispy. Then you put spicy mustard on it. Oh, that sounds really good. good. Uh, weirdly, like totally works. Don't cook the mustard on it because then the mustard burns and it tastes like crap. It's not like animal style where like the mustard like 
get super good and crispy on the burger patty. No, it tastes like asshole. So don't do that. But put it on afterwards. Really. Good. Okay. And then I'm really mad about this one with the video game sequels because I wrote this one. I wrote this on Wednesday that I one I want a true sequel to Jedi Academy. Uh, Dude, and now, like and right now, uh, because Jedi Academy was really good. Uh, go play that game. It's like two dollars on Steam. I mean, and we did touch on this in the episode that like there needs to be some good Star Wars games, and it's yeah we got some issues. So and Jedi Academy is like a flawless way, like a flawless stepping stone for that. Um. But the one that I was, like, super, that I've wanted for a really long time because I love the game, it was a GameCube game, uh, and on Wednesday, I wrote that I wanted a sequel to Luigi's Mansion. On the rules. <laughs> on Thursday. What is it about the fucking video game question? What do you follow the goddamn rules? On Thursday, they announced Luigi's Mansion 3 for Switch. And I'm, I have decided that Reggie fils me must fight me for this. <laughs> for scooping you. Yeah. How dare you. It's like the the thing where Insidious 3, like, totally stole yeah, all Yeah, stole my ideas. scare. I was pissed off. I wrote this great, like, nightmare sequence. And then I went to see Insidious 3 and then it was in there. And I was like, oh, crap. Damn it. But motherfucker. Okay, so those are my those are my hot shit. Takes. Those are good. Now right. I've I've heard tell that you're working on a podcast, Sasha. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plug plug your shit. I gotta plug my shit. Sounds gross. We're gonna say that a different <laughs> butt way. Butt plug. <laughs> butt plug. Butt plug. Ew. All right. The segment is called butt plug. <laughs> no. You plug your it shit. Oh my god. No. Segment no. is called butt plug. No. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um. I've been working on a podcast with the kid. It's a wrestling podcast. The podcast is called It's a Shoot. We have very special guest stars, Xander. What's up? I'm um, on the I'm on the show. And where we give our opinions on shit that people who are much older than us get paid to do. Yeah. Um we're gonna talk about wrestling, and we're gonna talk about wrestling from the way that you should talk about wrestling, which is like idiots and from uh the the rube perspective. Like you definitely like I don't I <gasps> You okay? You okay? Yeah, we just gonna sit here. <laughs> so Zasha's chair just uh. <laughs> it just it just fucking blew up. So that's a problem. I think this might be the end of the podcast. No, it's not over. We so, um, but yeah, so we're gonna do this. We do wrestling podcast, and it's it's gonna be a good time. We're gonna be talking about WWE, WCW, the Monday Night Wars, uh, Attitude Era, a bunch of. Indie wrestling promotions, stuff like ECW and CZW. And we're going to overnight wrestling from Japan. Uh, yeah, and we will be talking about my favorite wrestling promotion, which is New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor. It's the sh- I'm actually I'm wearing a Kenny Omega Bullet Club shirt as we speak. All right, so as we head into the end here, I think we sh- should wrap up. We're well over our time limit. <laughs> I would like to say, what is your number one best concert memory? We forgot to do this last week, and I was told about it in Facebook messaging by two different people. You where were? I sp- yes, where I sp- people really missed that. Part. Where I spring on you. Well, you're the, like the perfect straight man for my absurdity. So like that's like how the show works is when I spring things on you and you don't know what's going on. That's part of the surprise. Come. I don't like Go, it. Go, right now. I don't know. I don't know what my favorite one is. Probably, I have to say Britney, even though you shamed me about it. Bummer. Best concert experience. Uh, my best concert experience is, 
a toss-up between the Riz Noir show. An honorable mention that I did not get to, which was when we saw Behemoth and Mercury at oh, yeah, that Straight Sonata. Church. That was um, amazing. That really affected the way that Old Oh, it Scratch, changed Old Scratch forever. Yeah, and the way that we did our uh, stage shows and stuff like that. So a toss-up between those two, one of them being the Genesis, one of them being... The what, realization. Yeah, what came out of... The revelation. Very good. I, I agree. All right, so I'm going to say... Might as toss-up between another honorable mention I did not get to say, which was the two-day Metallica festival. Oh, yeah, that was great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just like pressing the button. Metallica. Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was awesome. The King Diamond show we saw on our honeymoon, which was, was really fucking good. amazing. But I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say that that the Gates show because there that is a very specifically before and after point in my life. Yeah. Like after that, nothing was the same. And we had not. We were in a death metal band when we saw it, and we were in a thrash metal band when we left it. And I don't know that we knew it then, but everything was gonna be different after that. Yeah. So. That's amazing. We were. It's been so fucking good to have you here. Yeah. To do this Yay, with us. Yeah, so glad you and, could be on the podcast. Until the chair broke. Uh, You're having a lot of fun. Yeah, which I'm still. I'm not 100 percent sure how I'm gonna get out of it. I'll help you. We'll uh, help. I will. I will post. Uh, we'll put in the show description how long Actually, it took us. Hold on, I'm gonna take a picture right now. Um, oh yeah, check our Twitter for the picture of Zosh's collapsed of chair. Zosh's. <laughs> It is also hotter than hell in here right yeah, now. So yeah, so we're going to wrap this up, turn the AC back uh, on. Please follow us on Twitter at Desert Islands SOC. SOC. Check out, check out, uh, it's a shoot. Should be starting up uh, end of September, early October. We'll, we'll have a, uh, a Facebook page and everything for you to follow for updates as we get into making the show. And the next week is going to be the start of our Halloween series where we will be talking about Halloween things for the next Spooky four or five things. weeks. And it's going to be awesome. But it feels too much like a desert island in this apartment right now, and I need that cool ocean breeze. So, this meeting of the Desert Island Society is officially closed. Get fucked. I mean that in a loving way. Go. Yeah. Maybe. Thanks, sir.